Spreading faster than a case of the clap in a trailer court. Able to shatter eardrums within a 666 mile radius. A podcast more brutal than all the rest. It's Murder Metal All right, we have the privilege of doing this interview with Teresa Lancaster today. She's an attorney and the author of the book Safe in Socks, the real story of the murder of a nun and the priest sexual abuse brought up in the Emmy-nominated Netflix series The Keepers. It's a really a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, that Netflix series was probably my anointment into the true crime docu-series, but it's a sad story, but uh, very, very compelling. And I'm glad that you're able to come on with me and talk about this. Thank you. Thank you very much. How's the uh, weather over there in Maryland where you are? It's, it's a little bit chilly. Um, yeah. We had a good clear day. <laughs> yeah. Same here in Illinois. You could definitely tell it's fallout. That's for sure. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, uh, some of our listeners may not have seen The Keepers. And uh, so I thought maybe if you could give us kind of a little overview of that and your involvement in it, because you're in there quite a bit. Yeah. Um, the Keepers is a seven part docuseries that explores the uh, mysterious murder of Sister Catherine Sesnick and Joyce Malaki. Uh, Sister Sesnick was an English uh, teacher at Keough when I attended there, and she was loved by all the students. And um, she actually found out through one of the students that Father Maskell, the counselor at Keough, was sexually abusing her. And when Sister Kathy found out, she told that student that she was going to get to the bottom of it. And then um, the next thing we knew she was dead. She was missing for a while, and then they found her um, in a wooded area. So um, it talks about that. And my involvement was um, I was contacted by the two ladies that started an investigation into the death of Sister Kathy, uh, Gemma Hoskins and Abby Fitzgerald. Um, and um, they were on Facebook, and they were determined to get Father Maskell. And uh, I started to talk to them and I agreed, um, you know, to to talk. And as we proceeded in uncovering more information, the uh, makers of the keepers approached me and asked me if I would mind answering questions on camera for a documentary. And I don't I really didn't know what I was getting into at first. <laughs> I. I didn't mind talking about what happened and, and right. um, it turned into like uh, years, three, four years. Uh, they would really filming uh, for the keepers and talk about different things that happened. And um, they put it together with all the other uh, involved and um, did a remarkable job, I think. Yeah, they really did. I'll tell you, though, I would not want Gemma mad or uh, looking for me because she was just determined. I mean, what a personality. I just showed, 
in the series how passionate she was and Abby was too but Gemma definitely really yeah. uh, really tough yeah. so a Abby's a, a great researcher and uh, they called Gemma the Nancy Drew of the ah. <laughs> but she's very active still and um, it, with podcasts and and other things that she's still trying to get to the bottom of it that's great. That's good. I did read something about her involvement with some podcasts. Now, this subject is absolutely terrible. And of course, you and the other ladies that come forward are incredibly brave to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there were some that maybe were not wanting to be involved for a variety of reasons. Was that a, was that an issue with some of the ladies? Yeah. Um, there was, uh, several victims, um, that came to me and we talked about things and some of them um, worried about their family. There's a lot right. of issues with families just can't cope with um, you coming forward. And um, honestly, if, if my mom was still alive, I don't think I would have come forward. Yeah, it, I think I read something where you said yeah. you didn't even come forward until she had passed because you didn't right. know how her faith would, would really be. I'm sure it would be a trouble, trouble yeah. to hear something like that. Yeah. And um, so there were a number of women um, that did not come forward. Okay. Yeah, I figured there would have had to have been. Yeah. Now, I think what makes this case different is, uh, and I fell prey to this as well, but most people assume that the, pre the priest sexual abuse cases doing, uh, would involve boys but as your story shows, it happened to a lot of young girls, too. And what are your thoughts on that? I've talked to several people and researchers have found that many people thought it was mostly boys because that's what you saw in the headlines. The author. Right. But uh, the priest had more access to the boys. That was the consensus upon, uh, among the researchers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pedophile, uh, they typically go for either either sex, I believe, as long as it's a child, you know. And wow. I'd like to take the opportunity to say it's it's not a homosexuality problem. A homosexual does not prey on young children. It's definitely a sick mind of a pedophile that does this. Yeah, that's a good point to to bring up because I think sometimes people have that false notion that that's what's going on there. Mm -hmm. Now, um, in line with that, was there a lot of negative uh, backlash that you guys found, whether it be in the church community or your local community there where the school uh, is or was? Um, did you see that? Uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised at how well the Keepers was received. I was scared um, when it came up to almost the day of the release. I was actually terrified. I was <laughs> because in in the case, the Doe Row case back in '95, when I sued uh, the church and Father Maskell, I got hate mail and threats. And um, of course, I didn't use my real name, but some people find you anyway. Yeah, you were Jane Rowe in the case. Jane yeah. Rowe, yeah, and uh, I was scared but when it when it happened i just got hundreds of messages thanking me and people coming forward and telling their stories and 
I do think the Me Too movement um, helped out as well. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be tough to come forward with something like that. And especially, you know, with the religious side of this, you know, it really makes it that much more complicated, you know, because it's a violation of what you're there for. You know, it's it's just terrible, really, especially at a vulnerable age like that. Now, uh, despite all that you went through at Keo, you had the amazing determination to become a lawyer. I'd love to know a little bit more about that. I did, of course, read about it in the book, but I bet our listeners would love to know how somebody overcomes that sort of thing. Well, as a young child, I always wanted to be a lawyer like my dad. I always looked up to my dad and I was lost after after Keo and gradually as I was able to come to terms with what happened I was able to focus on my goals I had my children very young in life and as they grew I started going back to school and and broadening my horizons so I thought well let's go for it no time like the present yeah that's amazing I I my dad and I always joked that we missed our calling becoming attorneys and I thought my gosh I don't know if I could handle that much school that's I gotta hand it to you that's impressive especially as you get older you know it's it's harder to do it you know yeah it it was it was but we had a study group and uh, I went to the uh, night law school and uh, we got together and everyone in my group passed the bar on the first try but we that's awesome the younger people were partying and everything, and I, <laughs> I can't, I can't risk it because there won't be a third chance, you know. <laughs> sure, right. That's awesome, though. That is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, now, I think it is just unbelievably sick the way the church handled this whole thing. Um, like you said, you had to wind up, you know, going through a lawsuit. Has anything changed in more recent times with cases like this, with all the attention this and the other scandals have have brought forth sadly no i found it's all about the money in the church um it it is a sad situation but oh like i'm trying to change the statute of limitations law which would give uh victims their day in court and every year i go to annapolis and fight the law and the church lobbyists are there the church literally spends thousands of dollars on lobbyists to keep the archaic law in place. Yeah, it's seven years, isn't it? It, it is. That's and terrible. It's it just um, they won't progress, and and also they won't release documents. They won't transparency. I keep asking for bishop accountability, transparency, and and they're not there, nowhere near. Wow. Yeah, that's terrible because there shouldn't be, especially that short of a statute of limitations on something like that, because some of these girls, I'm sure, repress that stuff and it doesn't even come up until, you know, much later on, maybe, you know. Yeah, they uh, say the typical age for someone to come forward, be it male or female, is in their early 50s. Wow. Some don't even uh, do that. uh, So you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's tough. Now, um, what made you decide to write the book, uh, safe in socks? And can you tell our listeners how you came up with that title? Cause it's definitely unique. 
Yeah, I um, I've wanted to write a book since this happened to me. I always wanted to tell the world what really happened. And um, after the filming of The Keepers, I kind of got that fire lit in me again, and I decided to get serious about it. I found the cover was because when Maskell would abuse me, the only article of clothing he'd let me keep on was my socks. I know it might sound strange, but through all kinds of um, perverted abuse, I tried to focus on my socks. It was the only thing that would keep me grounded and gave me a small degree of, of comfort while things were going on. Yeah, that's awful. That's absolutely awful. I, uh, As a person that's written books myself, I know it's not an easy thing to do, especially when you've got you know, children and a career and life going on. It, yeah. it, it probably took a while for you to put it all together. Yeah, it did. It did. I I started um, years ago with what they call shoebox notes, where I'd have shoeboxes and, and different things in each box. And in my case, I even had um, uh, letters from Father Maskell to the doctors where he would send me to, and them discussing my, my health. Um, it was just outrageous. So I, I wanted to include a lot in the book, but I didn't want the book you know, to be, you know, real long and dragged out. No, I thought it was well done. And I did see today, I think it was on Facebook, that uh, Jane Doe has a book coming out. So Yes, yes, she does. Um, she she and I, um, I'm just so happy for her. Her yeah. book, I think, is going to be uh, a, like a self-help type of thing where it, she shares how she got through her, her ordeal. I think all um, survivors approach it differently, you know. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a personal situation. And I'm glad, yeah, that she was able to put it all down and and probably will feel better having gotten that word out there. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, I advanced ordered your book as soon as I saw that you were doing it. Um, It's very, very well done. I did like, you know, how you added, uh, you know, the pictures of you as a little kid and and some of that stuff, I think, makes yeah. it more personal, makes it obviously personal to you as compared to what mm-hmm. you see in The Keepers. Right, right. Um, now, what do you think, um, you know, I mean, when I hear these kind of stories about somebody like Father Maskell and the others that were involved too, because it wasn't just him, um, that yeah. they move these guys around to different churches uh, and they never actually see any sort of punishment. And I know you said with the lawsuits and stuff, it's still the same with the church, but has it gotten any better with the way they take care of these priests that do this sort of thing? Not really. Nothing's really changed. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has a list of credibly accused priests, priests that they agree have been credibly accused. It's uh, 149 names and only a handful of them um, were ever criminally charged. And I just was reading earlier today about a defrocked pedophile priest, uh, Daniel McCormick. Um, He was released from state custody in Chicago last month. Um, he was accused of molesting at least 25 boys oh my and gosh. years in prison 
and the rest of the time in a state-run mental facility, and they let him out last month. And wow. I mean, the church um, just doesn't take accountability. Now, there's a site called um, the Bishop Accountability Site online, lists ped pedophile priests, and um, it's amazing. You can go there and see the numbers of these abusers, and oftentimes they're defrocked by the church, but that doesn't get rid of them. They end up moving into communities. They're not on a sex offenders list, wow. and um, they could be living next to, to your family with children and, and they, the church doesn't take responsibility at all. And is it just a money thing that they don't want that liability and those lawsuits? Is that part of it and maybe the, the stigma of it all? I, I think it is the money thing. Personally, I've talked to a lot of people and um, uh, they, they say that they want to help the survivors, but um, they don't. They don't. It's just a... a sleight of hand really wow yeah that's unbelievable i mean that when i watched the keepers i wanted to jump through the screen you know i mean i was so angry yeah. and i i you know I, I kept watching it and hoping that maybe against hope that he would actually you know pay for what he did and he winds up he died in like a nursing home right in an older age um, he was in his 60s. Oh, when okay. I thought he was older uh, than that. And uh, he had um, a stroke, they say. There's speculation as to what really happened. To oh. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, people jump on just about anything. I oh, sure. But um, it, I heard it was a stroke, and um, he died in um, uh, a nursing home. I can't recall the name, but it was right. by the church. Wow. Yeah, it's just unbelievable to see that kind of thing. Now, um, what would you, if you were, you know, a parent of today with school-age children, would you send them to Catholic school? Absolutely not. No way. Um, because it hasn't changed. I mean, you can't watch them 24-7. And um, I have worked with grown men who were raped as altar boys in the uh, sacristy. And um, mm. I just, they they find a way. And then today with phones, the, the pictures you can send, and um, I, I just would be afraid. I don't trust them at all. Yeah, my dad went to Catholic high school in New York City, and he always talked about the abuse, physical, like punching abuse from the brothers yeah. and the monks that he refused to send me or my yeah. sister to Catholic school because of that, because his terrible experience, not in a sexual way, but in physical beatings. I mean, really brutal stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talked about how they sat the kids in order of their class rank. Mm -hmm. So if you were the kid in the last seat, I mean, talk about feeling awful, you know. So yeah, oh God, they yeah. did that yeah. kind of thing. He said just really, really awful. So... You know, and then, you, you know, yours takes it obviously to a level way beyond that. But uh, that's how my parents were about the whole topic. You know, how can listeners get a copy of your book? I'm going to link to this in the episode description if anybody's listening. But uh, uh, how do they how do they do it? Amazon is how I got mine. Yeah, it's it's Amazon's handling everything for me. Okay. It's there in print and also uh, Kendall. Oh, now. great. Get it on Kindle, 
but um, yeah, that's where you would go. I do have a public Facebook page called Safe in Socks, and that has links to the book too. Okay, I'll make sure I link to that in the episode description. My last book, I just did an audio book of it. And oh, it, wow. it's a tough haul. I mean, I I wondered if you had the patience to sit there and do it because it was trying, but I got it done. But it was very difficult to meet the rigorous demands that Audible and some of those uh, websites have. But they claim that half of people that consume books do it by audio. So I thought, wow, I'm like alienating half my audience by not yes. having it. I am, so I, I am did going it. to do that. I, I, I do want to do that. I have been taking a little bit of a breather because I do hear how how much of uh, it's a big job. Yeah, it's well, big... you let me know, honestly, yeah. if you're going to do it, I'd be happy to point you in some, maybe save you some of the grief that I went through. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, yeah, it, sure. it took a while, but the book is a short story collection. It's like 10 and a half hours long on Audible. But the recording of it, you know, takes a lot more. A lot longer than that. Every little mistake, you got to fix it. And it it can be tough. So dealing with noises in the background and, Mm -hmm. you know, a car driving by real loud. You know, those things are hard to... They're hard yeah. to work around sometimes, so yeah. So I can relate. But, uh, yeah, you let me know if you're going to do anything like that. Now, uh, Teresa, thank you very much uh, for taking the time to chat with me here on Murder Metal Mayhem. Uh, it was great to talk. And is there anything else that I didn't bring up that you wanted to point out? I know you are an advocate for those you know, out there with dealing with sexual abuse and things like that. Is there any website or anything you wanted to mention other than the ones you've already told us about well to know that about three years ago under brian frosh they began an investigation of childhood sexual abuse within the catholic church and that is an ongoing investigation and uh, survivors were given an update last month and assured that the uh investigation on that because um i hear some things are happening there Okay. All right. Well, very good. Well, thank- and I, hope so. I hope, yeah, I hope something comes up. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we'll see the episode description for links to buy Teresa's book and more on the Murder Metal Mayhem podcast. And Teresa, thank you again for doing this with me. Thank you. Take All right. Care. Have a good night. Mother, mother, man.